God is faithful to his word. Everything that we do, everything that our lives consist of, must consist of us understanding the truth of his word because our life is in him. My life is in him. Today as we are actually, I don't think I've ever done this before, but today I'm ending my the series that we've had on Your Life You Choose, and at the same time, starting a new series that will be in for the next four Sundays, entitled The Outlook of Gratitude. I was looking at so many different words as I was putting this title together. The Outlook of Gratitude. So the month of, of uh, November is our Thanksgiving month, and, and um, I've taught a lot of messages on being thankful, but I like the word gratitude. And uh, today, I want to read all of our foundational scriptures or scriptures that we've looked at concerning your life you choose. I want to look at those again, and then I'm going to go into just a couple of the scriptures that we're going to talk about over the next four weeks. Um, You need to be here for this. You need to hear this. It goes really directly with what we've preached this, these last few weeks, um, but has a lot to do with how we're thankful for things in our life. Because a person that is thankful for everything they have going on is not meditating on what's not working. But the tendency in our world And the world that we live in is to be ungrateful for what we don't have, what hasn't come to me, what hasn't manifested today. And um, there's a way to stop that. We don't have to give in to that. We don't have to live our lives like that all the time. There's a way to stop it. But I want to start with our foundational scripture in James chapter 3 that we've talked about for the last few weeks. Um. James chapter 3 and, and, and verse 2, I'm going to read it first in the New King James. For we all stumble in many, in many things, and if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. I, I want to read um, verse 2 in the message, and then I want, I'm going to also read verse 5 and 6 in the message <clears throat> also. But James chapter 3 and verse 2. We get it wrong nearly every time when we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. A perfect person in perfect control of life because they control every single thing that comes out of their mouth. That's what the Bible said. I didn't say that. The Bible said I'm repeating what what James said, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Verse 5. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. 
A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. I'm going to read that again. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony into chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. Because if your mouth is being used to do those kind of things, it's not coming from heaven. It's not coming from God. If your mouth is used to to destroy other people and to complain all the time, your mouth is not being ruled by heaven. It's being ruled by, I mean, you, you know, you can get real spiritual with it, but, but, when it all is boiled down, it's being ruled by demonic spirits. I mean, that sounds spiritual, but it's just either, either you're going to speak life or you're going to speak death. And the next verse that we'll read, one, one of our foundational verses is, and I'm going to read it in the message also, is Proverbs 18.21, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. And what's the last two words? You choose. That verse of Scripture is, what, is where my title came from. <clears throat> he said, you choose. Uh, let, let's look at that again. Words kill, words give life. And we just read in James 3 that, that by our words, we can control everything in our life, whether good or bad. And that's what he's saying here. They're either poison or fruit. But it's your choice. And I'll just tell you right now that everybody, everybody here today was born into this world, into a world system, a way of thinking that wants to destroy. From the time that we're just little bitty babies. How many in here, all of the growing up of your children, you've had to spank them for sharing too much? Mine. And on and on and on. Why? Because of what we were born into. There's not a one of us sitting in here today that's bad because of the things that we do. You do the things you do because you were trained. Nobody sitting in here today or anywhere on planet earth was created bad. You become bad because you're trained, or what you would think is bad. You do something ugly, you talk ugly about somebody like what he's talking about here. Words come out of your mouth like that, and and they come out of your mouth because you've been trained to do that. Everybody's been trained. This next series, we're not talking so much about talking about other people as much as we are just talking about an attitude of complaining 
that, that all of us deal with. An attitude of complaining. I want to read these last two verses that we read last week. Both of them out of the New Living Translation. Proverbs 13.3 says this, Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Everybody say, it can, but not me. Amen. It can, but not me. <clears throat> Proverbs 12.6 The words of the wicked are like a murderous ambush. But the words of the godly save lives. We're going to talk about that in this series, about how our words and our gratefulness and our attitude of thankfulness saves people's lives. How many in here, you're into saving lives? Well, we're not into taking lives, right? So we're into saving lives. <clears throat> he said, and if you haven't listened to the last several messages on your life you choose, I would encourage you to go back, go to the website, either download them or just listen to them. They're free, so you can't use that as an excuse. But I would go listen to them and meditate and spend time on the things that we talked about concerning your words and how vital it is to believe that you're in control of your life based on what you say. The same way that a guy that's in the saddle on a horse is in control of the direction of that horse because of the bit that's in his mouth. Same way that a skilled captain behind a ship with a little small rudder, I don't even know what a rudder looks like, but it's somewhere down into the ship that's controlling the direction of the ship. He said, even as and even so are you in control of your life with your tongue. we got to get that, folks. I'm just telling you right now, you can't hear that enough. You have got to get it. So today, without anything on the screens, or I, I, I'm, I'm just barely touching and stepping into this new series, The Outlook of Gratitude. So, <clears throat> you say, well, why did you pick that word outlook? Well, I'm glad you asked. So, and, and this is derived from several dictionaries, but the word outlook is defined two ways. And this really drives my point in what I'm talking about. Outlook is a place offering a view. An outlook is a place that is offering a view. The second definition is outlook is a view from a particular place. An outlook is a view from a particular place. So, today, 
there'll be a view from here. And then, where will the other one be? Over here. And then there'll be a view from here. Two different views. Well, Pastor, that really didn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, if you're looking over there, you see the same thing you see over here. But, but what we're going to talk about through this series is how to develop your vantage point. And how to develop your viewfinder. And what you say determines how you see. What you say determines how you see things. So, because I was starting the series, I've started a list of negative things that I've caught myself saying on a day-to-day basis. I've done this many times. If you've been around here very long, we've done this at different times where we go and I challenge you for 30 days to watch everything that comes out of your mouth. Write it down. So I've started doing it again. You know, and each time I've put the challenge out there, I've always thought I was going to be really good. Always. One thing that I'm really good at today is not talking about other people. And and I'm not talking about just suppressing it. No, that's no good. I'm talking about there's no life in cursing someone else that was created in the image of God. There's no life in that. And, and I'm the one that's in direction, I'm, I'm, I'm the one directing my life, and what I sow out of my mouth is what comes back to me. So it's no good for me to say anything negative about any human being, I don't care what they've done. Yeah, but you know, Pastor, you don't know, I mean, some of these politicians, you know, those are the ones I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Somebody that grates on you, that doesn't agree with what you believe about something, man, that's where you start. You don't, you don't try to get there. That's where you start working on it. So <clears throat> the other day, I'm about to back out of my house, and there's cones in the road. And, you know, I've got to back out, and, you know, I could run into those cones. Who put the cones right where I'm going to pull out of my driveway? And uh, so I pull out, and you know, I'm sorry, but I had the thought of running over one of them, <clears throat> but I didn't. I cast that thought down. I pulled out, and I drove over up to the top of the hill where I live, and and. Over here on this side, it's someone else's house. They're redoing their driveway, so they had big concrete truck there, so they had to have the cones so people wouldn't, you know, get too close to the curb as they're, as they're pouring the concrete. And uh, I drive over the hill, and inside of me, the Holy Spirit convicts me about the thoughts I have. 
And he said, um, you wanted to say a number of things about these people and what they're doing and how they're inconveniencing you where you live. If you're pouring concrete at your house, that's your problem. Stay away from me. That's what God was saying to me. That, that's your attitude about this. And, and, and you say, wow, Pastor, I thought you know, you'd be past thinking those kind of thoughts. No, 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 no. Every single person on planet Earth is going to get a boatload of thoughts for the rest of your life. It's what you do with the thoughts that determine your outcome and your future. Everybody say this, I'm in control of my life. Okay, see most people think God is. Most people think God is in control of their life. Most Christians think that God is in control. God's set up the outcome. He, he, he's, he's got it all set up, and He's empowered and given you everything and done everything for you. But it's your choice. Will I choose to line my life up with what God has for me? Most people think God is in control of the world. We're talking about the God of heaven is in control of this mess? No. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but He's given the sons of men the authority in the earth. Psalm 115. You've got to go to the Word about how things line up. We're not taking anything away from God. God can do anything God wants to do, but God set it up in His Word to give us authority. He gave Adam and Eve authority in the garden. He never took it back. Adam and Eve chose to give it to Lucifer, to Satan. He cho they chose to. They gave it to him. For 4,000 years they were in bondage. But Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of what I've done for you and what I've accomplished for you. It's our choice, but He did it. What I'm choosing is not my way. I'm choosing His way. But He will let us fail. He will let us go to the grave in fear if we don't change and choose to do it His way. And the only way, the only way that you can start on the process of doing it His way is to change what you say. I'm going to say it again a little louder. The only way to change the process of experiencing death all around you is to change what you say. How many, how many read the stories in the Bible of what Jesus did and are astonished at the outright manifestations and miracles that happened at, at, as a result of Jesus? How many of you read those? And I mean, they're staggering. And, and the Bible says that, there's, that that's, that's just a portion of what he did. And we're just talking about in three and a half years. We're not talking about in a whole lifetime. 
He didn't do one thing, one miracle, nothing manifested in the, from the miraculous in his life for 30, plus, for 30 years. And then he was, he was baptized in the River Jordan by John. And his earthly ministry began in that moment as he came up out of that water. And the miraculous that he did and that he accomplished, many people look at it and say, well, he did that because he was the Son of God. No, 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 no. He already was the Son of God. He came to the earth to become something different. He came to the earth to become the Son of Man. He became, he came to the earth to lead us into a place, he kept telling him, listen, it's going to profit you that I go away. How could that be? Everywhere you go, miraculous things happen. Why would it profit us that you go away? Because what's causing these things to happen is inside of me. And now I'm going to leave, and I'm going to leave what's inside of me with you, and you're going to be able to do the same thing. But the only way for those things to become that way in our life is for us to believe first. So if I'm a person that's riddled in fear, if I'm a person that expects to be sick, if I'm a person that is condemned all the time because of the mistakes I make, you're not thinking like God. Did you hear me? Whether you believe that or not, did you hear what I just said? If you think that way, you're not thinking like God. So if you're not thinking like God when you face situations that need faith in operation, okay, you have no faith in the moment because it's not been developed. Not that you don't have faith on the inside. Not, I'm not calling you a faithless person. You have faith. It's just undeveloped faith. Because you still think like the world thinks. And when you think like the world, when you think sick, and you think poor, and you think fear, and you think depressed, and all those things, that's the way you'll be. But everywhere you saw Jesus go, he delivered all people of all that stuff everywhere he went and he said the works that i do you'll do and even greater works because now i've gone to the father at the right hand of the father i'm representing you there so that now you have the power if you accept me and you accept this thing and you accept this process and how to accomplish this then you can do the same things that i did listen to me if you develop, and I say this a lot around here, but if you develop a daily routine of God's Word, like handouts that I've given you, if you develop a daily routine of the Word and you don't quit, you'll begin to think like God. And what will happen is that in a moment of, you can say, crisis or situation where you need faith in operation, Faith will be there because you've developed your thinking and you've developed inside of you how God perceives something so that in the moment, faith comes out of your mouth because of what's been developed in here. See, a, a, a lot of people that in, in the church world, you may, you may know nothing about what I'm saying. You may know exactly what I'm saying. A lot of people got real offended with 
the, the message of faith and confession. And, and, and the truth is that a lot of people that taught that, they, they taught confession from a perspective that you're going to, if you say enough of the word, it's going to change your situation in the moment. So you get attacked in your body, and then everybody comes to your aid and speaks the word day in and day out. That's not doing any harm. It's not hurting you. But what there's not internally is a faith to believe that what you're saying is going to come to pass. See, Mark eleven twenty three. Through the years, I, I, mean, I, I mean, I've had people spit all over me so mad about that verse of Scripture. And that's not my Scripture. I mean, it's God's. Whoever says to this mountain, not a literal mountain, but whatever the obstacle is, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up, cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to come to pass when? When? When he says it. Believes it's going to come to pass not when he sees it, but when he says it then he'll have everything that he says. But I have to believe it in my heart. I have to believe it inside of me. I have to believe that what God's word says is true is more real than what I see with my eyes and I hear with my ears. Because the enemy is working overtime to convince you that your present circumstances are more real than the promises of God. And until you change the way you think, you will never, ever, ever believe it. And that's not a bad confession. That's the absolute truth. God set it up that way. You will never change the way you believe until you change what you say. You know why? Because in the seed of the word itself is the power and the ability to free me from whatever it is that, I, it, that I'm thinking in, in my life. When I was backing out of my driveway and I wanted to complain about those things bothering me because I had to pull out a little tighter than normal and it, and, and it wanted to upset me, I had something inside of me to show me, Bert, it's not worth it. Don't allow anything to come out of your mouth. Those people will never know that you say anything. I mean, unless I roll my window down. Hey, what are you doing? What do you think you guys are doing pouring concrete over here? I mean, I've seen people do it. Mad as a wet hen. And the Holy Spirit said, you know what you're working on. You know what you're dealing with inside of you. It's not worth it. Don't allow one thing to come out of your mouth against those people in fact go offer your help I didn't but you know <clears throat> you could can I help you pour that concrete can I put the cones farther out in the middle of the street it's not worth it it's not worth it <clears throat> I was I'm just talking about thoughts, okay? I'm not talking about giving in to them. I'm talking about thoughts I've had. So I'm, I'm coming, pulling up to the church here uh, Saturday morning about 8.30. And when I pull up, more cones. 
blocking the street off, I can't get to the church. I pull up to the cones and I'm looking and, a, and I'm not sure where that semi came from, but it's laying over across Leslie Drive. You couldn't get through. So I pull around and I go back down and come up Benson Drive and uh, it looked like probably in the middle of the night some semi took out those, uh, what's it called up there? Little railing, guardrails. Took out these guardrails, came down the embankment I mean, and, and you can tell that part of the overpass is kind of messed up. They've had certain crews out there looking and making sure that it's stable for people going across it on I-10. And that truck's laid over. Same thoughts, not for very long, but just for a second, came to my mind about complaining that they had, they had you know, blocked off the road. I mean, I can't get to where I'm going. How selfish is it of us to have that kind of an attitude and do something with it? We're not held accountable for the thoughts that come to our mind. What we're held accountable for is what we do with them. See, from this vantage point, Father, <clears throat> I'm just really thankful that I have a car to drive up here. Lord, I'm really thankful that there's more than one way to the church. I'm so grateful, Father, for the fact that that, that is so. And, Father, who, whoever was in that truck, I, I, I pray for him now. I speak over his life. Father, all those that are having to clean this mess up, Father, I pray for all of them. That's what I did. That's from this vantage point. The outlook of thanksgiving, see, has already developed stuff on the inside of it, and then you just have to choose. I cannot believe that they combed this off and I can't get to my office what the heck am I supposed to do what do you want me to do drive over there and have to go down the street and then come all the way up Benson Drive and have to do that I mean you ought to let me through I've got to I need to get right here from this vantage point you could roll the window down hey <laughs> newspaper the next day pastor from gates of the city in the county jail forgiving I, I mean you know what and you laugh but it's my choice see it's my choice I can be over here and have that attitude about anything or everything see because what I constantly am asking myself and I hear the Holy Spirit now asking me Bert remember what you're working on see I'll be working on this for the rest of my life and so will you if you choose to but what I'm developing on a day-to-day -day basis is a mindset of how I think according to the plan of God so that when I get in a situation like this, my vantage point, my outlook has already been developed. So see, I want to I keep daily. Father, I thank you that the greater one lives in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Father, you haven't given me fear. I don't take it. But you give me the spirit of love, power, and a sound, and a well-balanced mind. Lord, I think your thoughts. I do the things that you tell me to do. I'm talking about on a daily basis. And I'm telling you this. If you start a routine, I promise you, within six months, you'll get tired of it. And you will be tempted to stop. And the enemy will tell you, I mean, what good is this? 
How is that changing anything? See, that, that was the lie of confession, is that your confessions today are going to change your current circumstances. I mean, they are, but it's behind the scene. See, because your confession today is changing your, 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 your present circumstances, but not necessarily today are they being obliterated and removed. But they're changing because you're changing. And when you get that, and every time something that I've said here today, like my definition of outlook, a place offering of you, you might add that to your daily confession. Father, my view has been really negative in days past, but today I declare... I have the outlook of gratitude and it's becoming stronger every day. And all of a sudden, where your viewfinder's been over here and it's clouded and, it's, and you're mad and you're angry and you're complaining about everything and somebody cuts you off in traffic and I mean, you know, if you had a gun, you'd take them out. I'm just talking about real, I'm talking about Christian people. Hmm? Don't be shocked when you see all the things that people that aren't born again do. I mean, they live in this mess and they have no word, but I'm talking about Christian people that do this. I'm not living like that. I'm just telling you today, I'm not living like that. You don't have to, but it's your choice. What viewfinder are you going to look out of? And I promise you, everybody's got some of this. And everybody's tempted to have some of this because of the thoughts that come to your mind. I gave you two examples. You know, I mean, used to, orange cones represented playing soccer. Now orange cones represent, you better deal with yourself. You know? But see, God can talk to me like that today. I, I, I want God slapping me, kicking me. I, I want him to do whatever he's got to do to get my attention because I don't want anything that is hindering my destiny or hindering things from being fulfilled in my I don't want nothing. See, but I've become convinced of that. You may not be convinced of it, so you're not going to be convinced just because I appear to be convincing. You've got to choose. And the only way you choose is by developing a daily routine of declaring what God says is true. And the more you do that, the more it changes something inside of you. And then when the cones are put up, and it seems like it's not right, and I ought to go down to City Hall and complain, and they don't realize how they've inconvenienced me, all of a sudden, you start having faith arising and showing you, we're not playing this game. This is a setup of the enemy. I'm not, I'm not stepping into this. I'm grateful and I'm thankful. And I will allow that grateful attitude to overtake my life. Can you say amen to that? Now, here's some really good confessions you can add to your daily routine. 1 Corinthians 15 and 57. 1 Corinthians 15 and 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Woo! Glory to God. Look at 2 Corinthians 2 and 14, almost exactly the same. Now thanks be to God who always leads me 
in triumph in Christ. You've got you to make it personal to yourself. Thanks be to God who always leads me in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. Thankfulness has a smell. It has an odor. Not B.O. <clears throat> the other smells bad. If I pull around, my example that I shared at the bottom of the hill, if I pull around and roll my window down and start hollering at those people because they've inconvenienced me, that has a smell. It's a rotten egg smell. It's nasty. But when I pull around and I wave at them, I may roll my window down and say, hate you guys have to be out here this morning. Probably was your day off. I'm praying for you guys. I mean, or whatever. There's a smell that goes with that. And it's a sweet smell of doing what's right. Of living in the kingdom of God and having a grateful and a thankful heart for everything. Not focusing on what's not working for you. How selfish is that? I'm just, I'm just saying it in general. I'm not talking to you. I'm not even looking at you. I'm not even thinking about you. I'm just saying. How selfish is it to complain about things that don't, aren't working perfect for us. I'm telling you, you don't realize how many things that you could be grateful for. I mean, most of you know the story of this place, and there's a lot of unfinished things here in this church, even in this building, the grounds. There's unfinished parts of the ground. For, for a number of years, we couldn't do anything. We're starting on it, and, and, and the process is working, and things are beginning to happen now. And, but you know what? Man, I, I'm, how many like this room? Huh? I mean, it's just a great room. Father, we thank you for this place. Amen? Thank you for the view. You know what? Everybody that comes up here for the first time, they don't notice the parking that's not finished. What do they notice? The view. Yeah, there's a, it's a view like no other. And you could be so focused on, ah, if we had this, oh my gosh, here we are, over here. Oh, at this, and, and complaining and complaining and complaining and complaining instead of on a daily basis making sure that you're building yourself so that when those thoughts come, and they'll come, but your viewfinder is looking at how great everything is. Oh, Father, I thank you for your goodness and, and how amazing that you are. Thank you for all the things that you've given me. I mean, thanking him that you're breathing. Amen? Well, you know, that's a, that's a given. <laughs> Not for everybody. There are people that would like to be breathing right now. We need to be grateful to the fact that we're breathing and we're healthy and for the good things that we have. Everybody's got a different life. And you know what? The worst thing you can do is look at someone else and what it appears that they have because I promise you what they have is not all that it's cracked up to be. I'm not saying that someone's life is bad and, you know, hope for bad things so it'll make you feel better. And that's the worst thing you can do. But everybody's got stuff. Everybody's dealing with thoughts. Everybody is changing the way that they're talking. And you can see somebody that looks like they've got it all together. But if their mouth is out of control and they're complainers about everything that goes on, it's just, it's just a matter of time. 
because the Bible's true. It's not God doing something to it. It's them choosing to do it. That's why you have to take things that you hear today and you have to do something with them. Amen? But thanks be to God. Everybody say, thank, thank you, God. Say it. Thank you, God. <clears throat> he leads us into triumph. He gives us the victory in everything that we face. Thanks be to God. Amen? I want you to look at this story real quick and then we'll... Well, actually, before we do that, I want to read 1 Thessalonians. This is going to be our foundational scripture for our, this series. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16. <clears throat> Rejoice always. That's the shortest verse in the Bible. Rejoice always. How often? That means there's no time for anything else. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything, give thanks. Watch this. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for Pastor Bert, for you. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now notice what he didn't say. He didn't say give thanks for everything. He said give thanks in everything. Because you can find yourself in some things and battling some things in life that you're not thanking God for the battle. You're thanking God for how great God is in the midst of what you're facing. That will win every single time. But you have to have that daily routine that's developing the way you think. Because, was that a good statement, what I just said? Yeah. But you won't believe that if you're not developing the daily routine. You'll be moved by what you see and how you feel and the things that are coming at you. Oh, yeah. You have to believe it. And the only way... To really believe what the Word says and believe in the promises of God is to develop that daily routine, declaring what God says is so. And I promise you, you won't run out of confessions. There's 66 what we call books of the Bible, most of them are letters, but they're full of amazing one-liners. Like verse 16, that's a great confession, rejoice always. Father, I choose today to rejoice. I don't feel like it. I'm actually kind of mad, but I choose to rejoice. You're giving, acknowledging God's greatness in the midst of what you're facing. There's not anything I can't do and accomplish because of what He's empowered me to do. Not thanking God for, for, for all the situations, but thanking God for God being God in the midst of what I face. No matter what you face, He will see you out of it if you change what you say. Got to have this view. Oh, God. Thank you today. And remember, most of the time you're doing this, you don't feel like doing it. Or maybe everybody else does, but I don't. I did not feel like having a good attitude about having to go all the way to Sidney Baker and all the way up to Benson Drive, and all the way down Benson Drive to come. 
I didn't feel like it. First, first moment, first thoughts, first feelings. But God. Be thankful you have a car to drive. Yes, I'm thankful. Man, be thankful that you have a place to go. Oh, man, I'm so grateful. Thankful for the place you get to go to. Ha. Thankful. Be thankful that people even want to show up and hear what you have to say. Ah, God, I'm thankful for every one of them. You know, I pray for you every single day. And I have a passion to do that like I've never had. It grows daily. It's been going on for over two years. So you didn't pray for us before, Pastor? (laughs) I did, but not every single day. I have to admit I'd be lying if I told you. But now I found out what Apostle Paul said in all his preaching to all the different churches. He said in Ephesians 1.15, he said, I can't not pray for you. If I'm going to deliver this truth to you, you have to be prayed for. Because you won't get it just hearing it. It's got, to, prayer has to be offered on your behalf. And I got it. I got it. Life isn't about me. You have to get it. You have to get this. It's, no, it's, it's not about me building something for myself. or It's about you getting it and then you implementing it in all the things that you do day to day. That you are a success in everything that you set your hand to. I tell you what, it's not an easy journey to do it God's way. It's not easy because he's after your heart. It's not just, okay, we'll fix this and get rid of this, and okay, all right, hurry up, God. No, that hurry up attitude is what tells God you're not ready. And we're in charge of that. The way you get it down in here instead of it just being up here is your daily routine of what you say. That's what we've been talking about now for the last six weeks. What you say is vital. It's vital. So the will of God for you is to give thanks in everything. Amen? Luke 17, and I'm almost done. Luke 17, and I'm just going to read this quick story because I want to point something out here that that I believe is key to our lives. Verse 11. Now it happened as they went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, because see, lepers couldn't be out in the community and around other people. And they lifted up their voice. Jesus, have mercy on us. Master, have mercy on us. Do something. We've, in other words, we, we've heard you've done all this kind of stuff. I mean, I, we're, 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 we're over here. And we're in pain and we're, we're in an ugly way. Have mercy on us. They're yelling at it. So when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. What? We wanted mercy. We don't want to go to the priest. They won't talk to us. Why, why, why would we do that? What was Jesus doing? Jesus was telling them to do something to find out what was in their heart. I'm telling you, the journey that God leads you on, it's not a bad journey. He'll never lead you into harm's way for anything. But He will make sure 
that in your progression, you've got it in your heart because if you don't, you can't handle what's coming. So it was. What do you say? Go to the priest. So it was as they went, they were cleansed. Everybody say cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was... They were all cleansed. What did that mean? That, that what was on them was removed. They were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice, glorified God, and he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan, so Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? Jesus didn't say ten healed. He said ten cleansed. But where are the nine? Were, they, were, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. This Samaritan was a man of gratitude. He already was. It was already in him. You say, well, how, how can you prove that? Because you're not going to go back. You're going to go take care of yourself. You're going to let everybody know that, that th this is off of my body. But what I'm convinced of, okay, and you can take it because it doesn't say, it doesn't say that it wasn't this way. This is what I believe. Those other nine, not only it came back on them, but it got worse. That's my belief. Because Jesus never told that Samaritan that he was healed until he said, your faith has made you well. He said, go to the priest. And they did, and as they were going, they were cleansed. But the thankful one, who already had thanksgiving in his heart, you're not going to develop just a, a, a gratitude of thankfulness. And, and with that thankfulness, there was an air of faith and confidence that that guy really believed that Jesus had something. In other words, his faith was in Jesus. Is that where our faith is to be? My faith isn't in my faith. My faith is in the fact that he overcame, that he really did what he said he did. And when my faith is there, in the moment when I'm, when I'm needing manifestation, that gratitude, Father, I thank you daily. I, I know what your word says. I, I'm, I've had doubt in my head today that this is really going to work, but I know it is because I know your word. And right now, I'm, I'm grateful and I'm seeing how great that you are. And Lord, th this attack against my body, I I'm not understanding it, but today I'm thanking you that I'm the healed in Christ Jesus. Why? Because of what I've done over here. Because of what I've done over here. Otherwise, we're just trying to get rid of the manifestation of stuff. We just want the symptoms gone. We just want things out of here but then we want to keep doing and living our lives the way we're living it. No, God's after your heart. He wants her to be changed. And you know why? Because you don't realize how good this life with God really is. And He wants you to know how good it is. And so He, he will lead you on path. He doesn't allow things to happen to you like some people think He does. But He will lead you on a journey like He led Jesus on a journey 
like he led the children of Israel in the wilderness on a journey, they didn't have to take 40 years. It was an 11-day journey from where they left to where they were going. And they never entered in. Why? Because they disobeyed and they really didn't trust God. That's all God's looking for with us. I'm just telling you the way that happens is you begin to change what you say. Well, Pastor, I mean, you know, that kind of sounds a little too easy. It is. It's not easy, but it's simple. Everything in God is simple, but it's not easy because you have to stay with it. And then it has to become a way of life. It has to be something that's real in you. That, that Samaritan, that thankfulness was something that was real in him. And he bowed down and he said, almost kind of the same thing he told the Samaritan, uh, greatest faith I've seen in all of Israel. He didn't say that, but that's kind of what he was seeing there because this Samaritan, this is a foreigner, this guy's believing and the rest of these didn't believe in nothing. They ran off. Where are they? No gratefulness, no thankfulness. So God wants the, the establishment of gratefulness and thankfulness inside of us so we can receive all that he has for us. Can you say amen? In Matthew eight thirteen, and I'm ending with this. You know this verse, we've talked about it a lot. But I just saw this, I just saw this, I'm gonna leave this with you today. I just saw this. Jesus said to the, to the centurion, <laughs> I went blank on what he said. Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. I just saw this picture, this centurion. I mean, he had come to Jesus. He had, a, he had a heart for this servant of his. Jesus said, go your way. What was he doing when he went his way? God, thank you for healing my servant. Thank you for healing. He, his servant, that we have evidence, his servant wasn't right there. He, had to, he said, go your way and your servant will be healed. And in that same hour, his servant was healed. Actually, he didn't say your servant would be healed. He said, as you believe, it'll be done for you. What was he doing? I just saw this picture of the centurion. God, thank you that you've healed my servant. He's not there yet. Thank you that you've healed my servant. He's not there yet. God, thank you. Or we could say, boy, I hope he's healed. Boy, I hope this is going to work out. Boy, I hope Jesus is a man of his word. No, no, no. See, he already believed that. Jesus told him, the greatest faith I've seen in all of Israel is in this Roman centurion, a foreigner. As you believe, so it'll be done for you. As we go from day to day, situation to situation, issue to issue, struggle to struggle, things that we struggle and deal and battle with in our lives, that's why we've got to go with a heart of thanksgiving. Father, today as I was in my routine, your word said that by his stripes I'm healed. Your word said that I'm free from all fear. Your word said that I don't have to give in to this, that, or other, and I'm just so grateful, I'm so thankful. It's not gone in the natural. It's not out of, totally out of your head. 
that maybe the situation that you're battling is not totally fixed and everything, but as you go, God, I'm so grateful, I'm so thankful for your promises that they're yes and amen and they're true to me today. Saw that so clear. That's exactly what that centurion was doing. Thanking and praising and giving glory to God for his goodness and how good he was. I'll just tell you, if you don't want to change the way you talk, wait till December to come back. Because that's all we're going to talk about for the next four weeks. Is what the outlook of gratitude will produce in your life. And you got to be willing, you got to be willing to make the choice to make the change of what comes out of your mouth every day. 